what's going on it's your boy ceo hayes and this is the film frequency and i'm back so that means my brother's also in the building what's going on jb what's going on ceo hayes what is going on film family what is going on breaks media what is going on i mean media what is going on every else other person on the universe <laughs> i guess uh we should at least address the fact that we had a very successful debut on the Hami media group um one that you know, me and you talked about, I think, the day of the launch. And you, you kind of mentioned, like, you know, we'll probably get around 200, 250 downloads. And everything isn't about the downloads, so I don't want to make it just about that. But it is amazing when we set an expectation like that and we're, like, at, like, almost 650 at this point. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be quite honest, I did think it was going to be around the two to 300 mark. Again, Hamming Media is known for a lot of different podcast but i figured something movie is niche it's you know predominantly wrestling stuff but everybody came and supported so i uh, really appreciate that and we'll see what's in store for the future absolutely absolutely big shit ahead definitely we want to thank you guys make sure you guys go before you even get started go and follow us on twitter which is the film bros pod i may take off the pod part because i think it's kind of redundant but the film bros pod uh go into our facebook group the film frequency discussion group so that where we have a bunch of discussion about movies and you know it's a really interactive group we're doing some really good fun stuff we have some stuff planned for that group in the future too so you want to make sure you're following us on both those platforms absolutely don't miss it it's the content just keeps coming and coming so again like ceo he said the facebook group we got twitter going on there's everything and there's more coming yep strip club popping you know how it go champagne everything (laughs) but this week we're here to discuss some news no full review this week um so this is going to be a shorter episode but i guess we can need to jump right into the thing that's been taken over uh, if you guys are on social media at all or like almost in any type of discussion with with film or movies, uh, Disney Plus launched and it launched with over 10 million subscribers. Now, the launch didn't go smooth. There are a lot of reports of um, initially that first day of people lo- not even being able to log in or download the app. I think the Android app came out like much later in the morning than what it did for some of the other platforms. But by the time I had got off work that day, it was working fine. Me and the family watched a movie or two. I think I watched it that whole day. I almost exclusively watched content on Disney Plus that first day. So it was working fine for me that first day. But I know a lot of people uh, ran into some issues there. But what do you think about this launch? 10 million subscribers on day one is huge. Just to put that in perspective, though, uh, Netflix worldwide has over 150-something million, I think, when well, I looked into it. I believe it's 158. I'm going to get to the 10 million in a second, but just to um, feed off of what you just said about people complaining about bugs and things like that, I went online, and I was reading some crazy shit. I, I, don't, I, mean, I have not... I don't have Disney Plus. Um, I'll probably just do a free trial just to see the interface and see how you you know how it works and everything. But a lot of people were like really tripping. They're like, oh, they got bugs. Uh, this is gonna be the downfall of Disney. I'm like, what the hell? It's like day one. <laughs> no matter what, a game comes out, a new app, there's going to be bugs. I mean, Apple's a gigantic company and they do a new update and they always have bugs. There's going to be bugs, so people need to relax and chill. So that's number one. Now, in regards to the 10 million. I have an, a little bit of an issue with this. So, CEO Hayes, you have Disney Plus, correct? I do. How did you go about signing up for this? I went to the website and signed up. Okay. Uh, uh, the free trial or you just started paying or how did it work? Oh, no. I started with a free trial. Okay. I mean, it's a free seven days. Why not? In case I hated sure. it, off the off chance, I wasn't going to jump right in. So, Right. So, I started thinking about this and... 
10 million they got 10 million on day one now how how real is that 10 million i'm sure the 10 million is accurate but keep in mind they're on a seven day free trial so a whole bunch of people are going to sign up because it's a free trial number two Verizon, if you're a Verizon customer and you have that particular package, you get a year free. Verizon has about uh, about a hundred. The last time I checked, it was about 125, 130 million subscribers. Mm. So even if you take half of Verizon's customers, or even if you take 10% of Verizon's customers, that's the base right there for Disney Plus, who automatically have it for one year, because when they released its 10 million subscribers, they didn't say it's paid subscribers, they just well, said it's subscribers. Well, I mean, and but we, we, we're wrestling fans. WWE Network right. does the same thing with their network. Netflix, people, you can you can technically start a new email every month and get a new, a new month of free Netflix. So I think sure. if we're, if we're going to break that down by what's free and who's actually on the paid subscription, a lot of these subscription services would get cut down some. For example, I'm a Hulu subscriber, but I have Hulu free through my Spotify account. So, like... It it, it 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 depends. Like I think overall, just having ten million people use your service right away on that on day one is a huge number. Um, we'll of see course. we'll see what, how sustainable that is. Like I really think you really for whatever the number is, this first year almost is going to to determine what is what it ultimately is and what and what how how much this is going to thrive. Because if you look at it, Disney Plus. It's going to be home of a lot of exclusive Marvel shows. Um, some exclusive, the Star Wars show is already on there, but a lot of these shows haven't even launched on the service yet. So I know a lot of people are waiting out for that to see, you know, if you're going to get a free trial, you might as well wait to make sure all the content you want to see is going to be in that week so you can try to consume all of it. So there's a lot of little things like that where I think that this number is still going to grow more over the next six months. Yeah, um, I, I, no matter what, it's definitely going to grow, but I, I'm curious to see the business end of it. I think the first phase we're going to see that is probably at the end of December when the fourth quarter numbers come in for Disney. I'm sure they're going to release that number in terms of how many paid subscribers they have, and it'll just be interesting to watch because – we're definitely, definitely over the next six to 12 months going to see an active war going on between Netflix and Disney. And also there's an uh, a other boy coming to town in 2020, which is uh, HBO Max. But we're not going to get too much into that. That You know, we ha that's not coming until May of next year, but it's going to be there's going to be a war. Definitely. I mean, when I think, too, when you um like with this, with, it's definitely going to be war. Like you said, the whole streaming thing. But I think. We, we lose by this in the long run. And the reason why I say that is, is because we all wanted to get away from the cable subscription service, right? But right. when you, but all we're going to end up doing is all these um, streaming services are going to end up being in bundles. And what is that going to equate to? The same thing as the fucking cable, uh, yeah. the cable platform service. So I think um, in the long run, uh, it's all going to be go back to like, a virgin a, ver, a virgin <laughs> a version of what we're used to um yeah i definitely think that is it's going to boil down to that i i think it's going to be netflix and this disney plus service are probably going to be the pillars uh with hbo max and hulu and kind of stuff all falling uh beneath that a little bit i think for me like logging into the disney service and seeing a lot of these shows that nostalgia factor there's no way to really to put that into words, like what it means to see some of these shows that automatically put me back. Like they have all of Boy Meets World. They're not the reboot, the original. And the good so, stuff. yeah, the good stuff like that. And so they they have a solid base of like hitting us in the feels. Now it's going to be what that exclusive content is that they're coming out with 
what that's going to be like uh, to keep this going for a long period of time. Right. And, and on the flip side, and not to change the subject, but on the flip side, we have that nostalgic fee- feeling as well with, you know, Nick- with Nickelodeon joining with Netflix. Yeah. You know, we got we got Nickflix, if you want to call it that or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I was just reading up on some of the stuff. I mean, with Nickelodeon, I remember when I was a kid, things like Rugrats, Doug, Ren and Stimpy, um, Cat Dog, uh, so many different shows that we're going to get to see now through Netflix. Well, Not only that. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, what I read with the Netflix, and, and and it's been some conflicting stuff, is because what I read is that this isn't going to be like Disney with all the old shows. I mean, this this deal is to, is to specifically create new cartoons and reboot some old ones. So it's not going to be like all of the old shows automatically pop up on there. So according to what I read, and I may be wrong, is they're going to have the old content available. But in addition to the old content, they're going to be also doing reboots. And they're also going to be doing remakes and things like that and kind of bringing them back like... You know, they saw the success Netflix had with Full House. So you have shows like Keenan and Kel, all that old, um, hey, um, hey, dude, salute your shorts, all these old Nickelodeon shows that they can possibly reboot. And the cool thing is, these type of shows you can't really show on the Nickelodeon channel. But because of Netflix and the way Netflix is set up, you can have a more imagine having a more PG thirteen version of Doug, or a more PG thirteen version of you know one of these other shows. So. I'm I'm okay if they don't have the old content, but as far as I read, they will have the, the old content uh, at least trickling in. But even if they do reboots of these shows, I'll be excited to watch it because it'll be a different take. It won't be a rated G take. It might be a PG-13 take. So it'll be interesting to watch and see what they do. So what I'm reading right now on, this is an editorial on Rotten Tomatoes. It says that this deal, um, the Nickelodeon deal, includes a wave of nostalgia so some of the old shows will be will be available but this is primarily going to be uh to reboot new shows they have a, a spongebob spinoff coming a revival of of rugrats uh return of jimmy neutron and retro i don't know what retro that must have been uh after my time so it's I mean, if they bring back, I'm all for it. Like, if they bring back all the new shows, it, that would be the smartest thing to do in this deal, as well as reboot them. Nickelodeon, you know, it's still a, a force. My kids still watch Nickelodeon, so sure. Um, th- those characters are iconic. So if they're bringing back some of that nostalgia with that too, then I'm all for it. I just, I initially didn't think that that's what they were they were doing, but that's that sounds like a, a smarter way to use these characters. So. Yeah, and it's a, it's a multi-year deal, so I'm sure they're not going to give away the house all in the beginning. I'm sure it'll trickle in, at, you know, and little by little we'll get more and more. But, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of things. I mean, they, they got the Power Rangers, got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, there's a wide array of things, and I think it'll be even for a more – like our kind of age, like the 30, the 30 year olds, because yeah. this is stuff from when we were kids. I mean, your kids might not necessarily know who the hell Doug is. Yeah. Bring back Are You Afraid of the Dark? Bring that shit exactly. back. Um, there's actually a show on Netflix called, I think it's Creeper. It's something, uh, The Creep, something like that. And it's very much like Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's like all horror stuff, but no like actual killing or gore. I'm sorry, I'm getting on the tangent. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's I, I, I like hearing that. And uh, it, it Netflix is, is smart. One thing that Netflix has done is uh, Netflix is prepared for this. Like Disney pulling all their content off Netflix eventually. Like there's still some on it now, but though as those deals expire, you look at HBO Max as anything that's on there. But Netflix is setting itself up to where it's really all a lot of new content Netflix constantly pushes out. Like I know you probably see it too, bro. Like when you log into Netflix now, they're like new 
Netflix originals, there's like a new one every week now. And I think what they're doing is, yeah, they're throwing out a lot right now, but they're trying to see what what type of content is going to stick because once like this third-party content all becomes on its own streaming platform, they need to be positioned in a way that it's still going to be as attractive. So they're, they're doing yeah. that good. Yeah, and I think if it wasn't for the fact that Netflix comes out with a lot of original stuff, they would be, you know, I, I said I said it before, like, they, you know, they might be nervous with this new Nickelodeon deal and also the fact that they're spinning out original content. Mm-hmm. And not only spinning out original content, but quality original content. They're, it's, it's, they're, they're going to hold their own. They're not just going to lay down and die. They're going to hold their own. And, and Disney, as far as I know, I don't know how much... They're going to do original content, but I don't know how much and to what capacity they're going to do it at. Well, the thing with Disney is, um, and I think that this may hurt them in the long run if this is going to be the permanent model, with all of, like the Marvel shows and even the, the uh, Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars show that they're doing, um, they put movie budgets behind it. And my thing with that is the reason why I think Netflix's model works so good is that Netflix has become the place where a lot of low-budget movie goes. Like Blumhouse puts a lot of their low-budget stuff that they're not going to go into theaters on Netflix exclusively, and they're able to thrive that way because not everything is this high budget. Now, Disney is a much bigger animal and a much bigger beast. They own everything. So maybe they can afford to do that if their subscriber numbers keep it keep at a certain level. I, I, I would love to know like what, what subscriber number they need to hit to be profitable because, you know, everyone has that magic number. Um, but if they're going to put these $100 million budgets behind uh, TV shows, there, it's not going to be many of them. You have to kind of break that in, break that up if you want to, in my opinion, if you want to be successful. So it's going to be interesting to see. Absolutely. And you were just naming some, you know, some on Netflix bringing in some, you know, bringing in movies. And I think that's a good segue to get into our next news topic. Actually. Yeah, let's get into the next one. So uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4, is that the one you're referring to? Uh, yes, since, sir. We, since we are talking about Netflix, is coming to Netflix. It's part of Eddie Murphy's deal. This, this is interesting to me because I didn't... I, in this deal with Eddie Murphy and Netflix, I never thought about the fact of Beverly Hills Cop 4 coming back or, or that character at all because it's not like Eddie Murphy owns that character himself. So they had to work out a deal with, is it Paramount, I believe, that owns Beverly Hills Cop? Um, yeah, yeah, it's Paramount, Paramount Pictures. So they had to work out a deal with them also, but we've like they had a Beverly Hills Cop TV show try to get off the ground that Eddie Murphy was actually involved in. I don't know if it, like I know they filmed the pilot. I don't know if this series ever like went to air or anything. So they've been trying to get this property back. Netflix is the perfect place for something like this. Something that it has name recognition. It may not be, be bring in the box office numbers to support doing a big big budget film on, but Eddie Murphy's riding high off Dolomite is my name. This is the perfect. This is a perfect announcement for Netflix, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we did Dolomite is my name. If you didn't listen to the review, go ahead and check that out right now. But Eddie Murphy, we said it. We both called it. Eddie Murphy is back, and you know, we he he had Dolomite coming to America too. Is coming out, and he has this. I think this is a win-win situation all the way around. It's a win-win for Eddie Murphy because he gets to bring back Axel Foley, a character I actually love. I love the Beverly Hills. Uh, cop trilogy. Uh, the la- the third part was actually, even though you know, usually the trilogies, uh, the last ones are the worst ones. For me, Beverly Cop Three was the best one. Okay. So um, I'm gonna, I- I'm I'm excited to see another one. So we got Axel Foley coming back. It's good for Netflix because now they got another original content. And I think the biggest winner here is Paramount Pictures because let's be real. If I'm Paramount Pictures, I'm thinking, I did Gemini, man, huge, huge star, Will Smith, mm-hmm. box office, box office flop. I did another huge movie, Terminator, Dark Fate, 
box office flop. We could go, we could argue about how good the movie was and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, money wise, both of them were box office flops. This gives them a chance to come out with something that, like you said, has rain, rain, uh, excuse me, name recognition. However, they don't have to have a huge budget behind it, and they don't have to worry about it being a box office flop because it's going straight to Netflix. And not to mention, it's a the deal that they've worked out. It's a one movie deal, and the second second movie is is for the studio option. So if it is a success, Paramount has the option to do a second movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a smart deal all the way around. I think that this is one of those situations where. It's a win-win for everyone. If if Netflix, if it's not huge on Netflix, you know it's okay. You know it, it, we we didn't create anything original here. Um, Paramount, if they can get brand uh, or like a buzz back around the brand name of Beverly Hills Cop, you can go a lot of different ways with it. You can do a show based in that in that universe on Netflix. Like you can do a lot of different things with this. And I think um, like you you make a great point. You mentioned like Terminator uh, being a flop and like br- trying to bring back some of these brands. And we talk kind of talked about it then. Like, do you think? Not like a lot of the old 80s and 90s brands that people are trying to bring back that are failing to come back in the mainstream sense. Is Netflix more of a route to go with, with stuff like this? Yeah, I think it's a safer route. Yeah. It's a safer route because you don't need to do a, it doesn't have to be a big budget that's going to be on the big screen. It could it, it's it's more of a like a, a test or a feeler. You do a small movie on Netflix. You're still going to have a, you know, a decent budget, but you're going to do a, a decent a movie on Netflix. If there's buzz around it, and you see there's hype, that's when you bring it to the big screen. And that's when you make your multi millions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 smart all the way around. This is a great a great deal. Um, but are you ready to move into the next bit of news? Oh, absolutely. All right. So the next thing that we got. Uh, uh. So Tom Holland had been previously announced as being part of this Uncharted movie in the role of Nathan Drake, which I like Tom Holland. I don't I don't see it in that role to be honest with you. Like, hey, he's a kid. He very much I mean, he's not. He's like twenty one now, but I see him younger. Maybe they're gonna be telling the story of a younger Nathan Drake. I don't know. But they cast Mark Wahl- Wahlberg as his father figure, uh, his mentor Sully, and that is a great casting in my opinion for Mark Wahlberg. Um, what do you think about this Uncharted movie? I know you you love the game series, as do I. Um, I think that's one of the, the series that there's no wink leak in the game. There are four games and two spinoffs, and they're all good. Um, Absolutely. Um, I'm not a huge gamer, but when these games came out, man, I was I was like, my wife was yelling, like, go to sleep. You have to wake up in three hours, and I was <laughs> on this shit. I mean, Uncharted 4, I was all over that sucker. I mean, I've been clamming for a movie, and, and they've always come out with news, oh, an, an Uncharted movie's gonna come out, and some shit always goes wrong, to the point where fans, I mean, if you go on YouTube right now, fans actually did like a 30 or 20 minute fan fiction movie that was actually really good. It was just some random person made a, made a movie, it was like 20 minutes, on Nathan Drake. Now, in regards to the casting, I agree with you 100%. Holland is good, but I don't see him as the Nathan Drake character. And I know you might disagree with me, but I don't see Mark Wahlberg as Sully. I actually can see Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake. And give me someone older a little bit. Because Sully, I feel, is like a little bit of an older character. I don't feel Mark Wahlberg is old enough to be Sully. I feel like that should be like a witty 
I can see like like a witty uh, maybe I, I don't know someone who's witty maybe like Jack Nicholson. I don't know if he's too old for that. We'll talk about Jack Nicholson because I, there's rumors of him having Alzheimer's and that's why he like wasn't even mm-hmm. in Doctor Sleep or didn't make an appearance or whatnot. So I I just don't think that it's a uh, it's an option for him to be any in any movie in the future. Oh, I got you. And by the way, uh, the day this this actual episode drops, it should be Monday. I don't know when you're listening to it, but it should be Monday. In a couple of days, we'll be having. Uh, I hope it actually comes out though. Um, the only my only issues with this is, first of all, I know there's a bad connotation when it comes to games coming into movies, but we've had successes too. We've had Resident Evil, old Tomb Raider. Um, you know, we've had successes. The only problem that is dropped December 18th, 2020, and on that same day, Coming to America 2 is coming out, and West Side Story is coming out. It'd be something huge, but Steven's name is behind it, so it's going to get eyes. Do you think it's right that they're dropping with Coming to America? Is, or should they have picked a date with not so much competition coming out? Here's my opinion, is that it's it's a completely different type of audience. I think, at least in what I see the the Uncharted movie being, is, a, is an action movie. So, right. And that's a comedy. And, you know, it may be a, actually a great one-two punch to have those two things in theaters on that weekend. What what you said is December 28th, right? Uh, December 18th. 18th. So that's that's the week before Christmas, right? right. Uh, a week exactly. before Christmas. So even leading into the Christmas weekend, you got kids on Christmas break who may see multiple movies over there. I, I can see both movies being successful. It'd be different if it was, like, launching against, like, the next Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne movie, something that may may eat some of its audience. So I think there's a chance they both might be successful. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, because it's it's different genres. So like you said, the kids might go one weekend, they see Uncharted, the parents might want to see Coming to America, and I'm not really sure who's going to be seeing West Side Story, but I'm sure the, the, the girls are going to take their their husbands and boyfriends and, and girlfriends and side pieces and whatnot yeah, to go watch yeah. this. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is like Coming to America, I don't expect to be, unless it's, amazing i don't expect it to be a huge box office success only off the fact of like our generation cares about coming to america no one else cares about coming to america they don't yeah so i'm when we do our when we do our uh doctor sleep review i want to continue that exact discussion because i have something to say about that but i'll keep it for a couple days from now when we do our doctor sleep I think you know where I'm going with yeah, it already. I know, I know, because I've kind of expected that that's where we'll go with that. Um, but we got one more piece of news. Just one last one. A good one. A good one, a great one. So The Rock was originally cast as Black Adam, I believe, like three or four years ago. I don't have the exact dates in front of me. Um, the movie got silent, completely silent for a while. Black Adam was actually supposed to be uh, what the Suicide Squad was after in the Suicide Squad movie. So that's how long ago all, this this character in The Rock was supposed to appear as Black Adam. The success of Shazam, I think, pushed this forward because they want to do Shazam versus Black Adam. So he finally announced, he released the first poster for it. We're getting Black Adam December 22nd, 2001. What do you think yeah, about that? 2001? I'm sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> 2021. Back in time, bro. We're gonna have to go back in time to watch the movie. But yeah, 2021. That's all good. But here's the thing. Um, for those I know who Black Adam is, but for those who don't know who Black Adam is, you're you're a comic head, way more a comic head than I am. Can you explain to the people what the Black Adam character is all about? So, if anyone who saw the Shazam movie, when the Wizard was talking to uh, Shazam, uh, Billy Batson's character, and said there was another before him that basically turned and used the power to release the seven deadly sins and they showed someone in the cape looks like it was Shazam outfit that was Black Adam he's basically the the 
anti-Shazam. He has the same power. He pulls his power from the same sources, but he uses it as evil. So he's an evil wizard. Um, Back in like the comic eras in the golden age of comics, everybody's main villain was basically the, the, the opposite of them. And so that's what that is. He's the opposite of Shazam in a way. He has the very, the same exact power set for the most part. Matter of fact, if you saw the Shazam movie, uh, the, the, the villain in there, that's pretty much his black Adam's power. So it's going to be interesting to like how they make those, uh, different characters. But, um, he's, he's, he's one of the, the most badasses. Uh, he, he's, he's damn near killed Superman in the past. Superman and Shazam had a team up to, to take him down before he's a legit great villain so but i I, go ahead i was gonna say is he uh evil to the fact of like a villain because isn't he like yes he does bad things but at the end of the day he just wants justice is it is it is he considered like a tweener or so they've made him more of an anti-hero the last five years or so um you know anti-heroes are all all the thing nowadays like they want to add depth to villains and that's fine uh so it depends on what way they're going to go with him with him having his own movie they probably are going to go the anti-hero route it, it is that he 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 does want justice he does want the world to be safe in a sense but he's willing to go to dark places and use dark magic to get get there right now here's what i want to know and you, you probably know more about this than i do how in the hell has it taken this long for The Rock to be casted in some kind of comic universe movie, whether it's DC or Marvel. Was this Rock was waiting for the right role, or was somebody waiting for the right role to cast Rock? I mean, Rock is probably the top actor out there, not not to mention he has the fan base, he definitely has the look, he has the charm, he has the charisma to be in these type of movies. Why the hell did it take so long for The Rock to get a role in one of these movies? I think it was... Okay, so I think there's that's kind of twofold. Um... I say at first it was because, uh, like, The Rock was such a big star. Even in the Marvel movies, they weren't casting huge stars initially. The DC Universe, they they weren't casting huge stars either. Like, Ben Affleck was probably the biggest one that they cast, like, after the whole uh, Christian Bale thing. But they they never really went after huge huge stars. And I also think, like, the, the price that The Rock caught right cost and in the audience that he brings with him it does make sense for him to be a comic book character but i mean he was cast as black adam so long ago that i think that's probably why marvel never tried to touch him it's because it's like well we know you're going to be um black adam so why should why would we cast you like yeah the movie never really got off the ground but i'm sure that put them put him off for a while he was actually cast as black adam in 2009 that's 10 years ago bro. bro that's crazy 10 yeah, years so ago they probably figured like at some point he's gonna be black adam and he's probably the rock priority had it in his mind and who knows maybe even on paper that that's it he's gonna be black adam so obviously if he's black adam he can't take on any other character yeah. and think the marvel universe as far as like the mcu is only 11 years old so if he was cast 10 years ago it was very early on in the mcu so that's probably why they didn't touch him they locked him up correct yeah, so there you go so uh, the last thing, uh, anything else? Any other news, bro? I got nothing else. Okay, so the last thing, um, and this is something that we're going to be doing, uh, you know, every time we do these news sessions, we're going to have something called Ask the Film Bros. You can send in a DM. You can send a message. We'll we'll start shooting out our emails so you can email us. But we had a couple emails and a couple things come in, but we're just going to go through one of them. It happened to be the first one that came in. It's from a longtime friend of ours, CEO Hayes, Mr. Coop. Oh, Coop. And Coop asked on Facebook, again, you can go to our uh, Facebook group, the Film Frequency, just 
search it on Facebook, have a massive group going on, a lot of great discussions, a lot of great people, so uh, get it, and uh, come and join us. But anyway, Coop asks, what is our favorite Darren Aronofsky film? Uh, and the, okay, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna crush Coop's heart right quick for a second, uh, because Mother sucked, and I know he loved it. Mother was a terrible ass movie. It sucked balls, and it actually bored me. And I've tried to watch it three times, and I fell asleep like 20 minutes in every fucking single time. But that's just something I wanted to throw his way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think my favorite uh film of his is man, it's either The Wrestler or Black Swan. But I think I'm going to pick The Wrestler only because of we never got someone a respect being put in into a story about wrestling like that before. The behind the scenes, everything like showing what they go through, showing the passion that's behind it. Uh, and, you know, we're wrestling fans. So that really spoke to me. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to pick The Wrestler. Yeah, and uh, Darren Aronofsky, I mean, he made some great movies. He made Pie. Yep. Reckon, for, Reckon for a Dream was a huge one. Uh, the Wrestler, like you said, Black Swan, and Noah was controversial. Now, you talk about The Mother. I don't know how the hell Coop likes The Mother because uh, the movie was absolutely horrible. CEO, you posted the other day on the Facebook group. You asked, I believe it was you that asked, has anyone ever walked out in a movie theater? What movie have you watched? And I posted that I, I the day I went to go see It, when It 1 was out, It was booked. And the only other movie that was available with that showing was Mother. And I went to see it with my wife. And numerous times, I literally looked at the door. I'm like, maybe she should just leave. Because <laughs> the movie was freaking horrible. Which is crazy because Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress. And oh my God, it was just god awful. But to answer the question, my favorite Darren Aronofsky movie, hands down, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, is The Wrestler. For a lot of the reasons you said, we're, you know, we're all wrestling guys and forget about wrestling and i was having this conversation with somebody the other day regardless if you're a wrestling fan or not this movie will speak to you the the the, the story behind it it's just a guy and it's sort of an underdog story but at the same time it's kind of a sad story and if you haven't watched it please do yourself a favor mickey rourke you already know the name mickey rourke. he's role. an amazing actor yeah, yeah. oh hands down and if role. i'm not if i'm not mistaken i'm sure he won didn't he win something for this or at least was nominated i think he was nominated i don't know if he won or not yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not 100% positive if he, if he won, but I'm pretty positive he was uh, nominated. At, at any rate, though, uh, hands down, again, the rest was my favorite um, movie by Darren Aronofsky. So, Coop, thank you so much for giving us that question. And again, for everyone else out there, if you have anything to ask, feel free. Uh, if we got enough of these, we'll probably do more than one. Uh, but for now, we'll just pick one to to uh, generate some hype, and we'll go from there. Yep, that's it. But that has been another episode uh, with the news recap. You, like I said at the top of the show, you guys can follow us at The Film Bros. And make sure you go and check out our Facebook page, The Film Frequency Discussion Group. JB, you want to leave them your social media? Absolutely. I can be reached on Twitter at the P1JB. That's at T-H-E-P1JB. And, of course, I'm on Facebook. Good luck finding me, but I'll probably have the longest name on the Facebook group. It's Javed, J-A-V-E-D. Last name is Basharula, B-A-S-H-E-E-R-U-L-L-A. All right, you guys can follow me at CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. And we'll see you lovely and beautiful people next week where we're going to be. Oh, well, we'll catch you in a couple of days with a mini review for Dr. Sleep. And after that, we have a, a the week after that, we have a 
full review dropping for the Irishman. So make sure you guys go and check that out. Right. And for those, everyone who's listening on Breaks Media, you're going to get the Dr. Sleep review in a couple of days. Unfortunately for the Hami Media, Big Ray and Ben Hamid is not paying us enough. So <laughs> we, won't, we won't be having the Dr. Sleep review. However, you can catch that on our actual uh, feed for uh, Film Frequency. You can just go on on uh, iTunes or CEO can tell us tell you how to reach us. Yeah, you can, for there, just search the- Film Frequency on every uh, podcasting platform you can find us that will be on our solo feed. So. That's about it. That's it. Peace. Peace.